Fire me up. Welcome back to the Bring the Juice podcast. I'm your host, Frank Delane, and today on the pod, we have David Tangapa. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Frank. Nice nice to be here with you. Oh, it's it's a beautiful day here in Fresno, California, uh, mid-September. Only was 100 degrees for a little bit of the day. Not too bad. We're sipping on some silver bullet Coors Lights. The mountains are blue. Can't complain about that. Um, a beautiful day. So, David, you have been in Fresno for a while now. Originally from Sacramento, California. Sacktown Pride. Played tight end for the dogs. Now you're big time. Real estate guy. Dabbled in some politics. We could get into all that. You're kicking life's ass. I love it. Let's start with your time coming into the dogs. Were you a highly recruited guy in high school? What uh, what was that transition like? Just from from hey, I'm I'm from SAC. Tell me a little bit about your background and then and lead into Fresno State. Well, I'm originally from North Highlands, so that's uh, the northern part of Sacramento, and uh, kind of a rough area. Actually, it's a pretty rough area. But realistically, I went to a terrible high school. Uh, my junior and senior year, we went one and nine both that's years. Bad. So we were absolutely terrible losers. <laughs> La, 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 loser. Thanks. Thanks, Frank. But, uh, you know, I I did have a couple offers uh, when I was coming out, but that was just because I was the only person on my team that could actually stood out. So some people actually saw- You're a tall guy. Diamond in the rough, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Need a but, little haystack. But, uh, so I had a couple places. I really had Menlo College, really wanted me to go there. I had Humboldt. I had Sac State. Uh-huh. Uh, UC Davis did not want to offer me. I don't know why, but- you know, I, I didn't get it then. But really, for me, I wanted to get out and kind of go somewhere else. I did not want to stay in Sacramento. Right. Um, I sure as hell didn't want to play at Humboldt. Yeah. So, well, you or dodged Men- a bullet there because they, they, you know, they default their program a couple I think of they years. discontinued their program as well. But then right. Menlo was another one, and they discontinued their program as well. Um, I actually committed to San Jose State. And then I… I, I uh, made a mistake because I, I didn't have any mentorship. I didn't know anything about, you know, from my family and growing up, nobody was really into sports but myself. Right. So I didn't have any mentorship. So I actually played in the All-City game in Sacramento. Okay. And I was actually told not to play in that game. Okay. And so this is before you sign your national letter of intent. And mm-hmm. in that game, I partially tore my hamstring. There you go. So I called, uh, I believe his name was Coach Terry. Okay. And this is to, oh, this is to San Jose State. This is to San Jose. I called. Wow. So you're committed to San Jose State. Mm -hmm. Your dumbass plays an all star game, mess up your hamstring, and then you have to call your coach and tell him pretty much. Well, I didn't have to. I just thought is the right thing to do. Being a nice guy, I guess that's kind of like I said, my family didn't know anything about athletics. So my dad, which I shouldn't have listened to, basically said, (laughs) Oh, you owe them. You owe them. you, You have to tell them. And I, I, you know, listened to him. I called, I told him, and they said, hey, we'll call you back. And then they called me back maybe two hours later. Hey, we retracted your scholarship. Wow. Uh, you know, we we hope you get better and maybe you should try at JC first. And then- uh, See we'll, how it goes type thing. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I still had Sac State and Humboldt and all. Still was yeah, done fallbacks. with it. And then Coach Norcross. Coach Norcross came- to Fresno foot- State OG. Coach Norcross, yep. The online coach for Fresno State at the time. And um, he- comes on to our school. I guess he was just doing rounds and just visiting. Right. Um, at this time, it's about two months out of my partial hamstring tear. Yeah. And so all I was doing was working out, eating, actually 
I felt like I looked really nice. And <laughs> I was pretty… David Tonga <laughs> looks really nice. All right. Well, I, I meant more of like I was actually… Six pack? In, no. No, I wish. I'm Polynesian. We don't have six packs like that. Unless you're you're born with it. But I wasn't that kind of… Okay, kind of stay on kind, track so. here. So you looked but, nice. Um, yeah, of course, Norcross came on. He was doing his rounds, visiting some of the high schools. And he walks in. I could only work out… That was the only thing I could really do since my hamstring was torn. Right. Um, so all, that's all I did was eat, sleep, work out. And uh, he came in, looked at me. He actually measured me a couple times while we were in the… He had a tape measure on him just on the hip? No, he, he was ruler. like… Like, no, he was just standing next to me. And, he sized you up. Yeah, you, you just, you know, did I pass the eye test? I think so. But uh, kind of went… <laughs> you look nice. Kind of went from from there and uh, they… He said, hey, I got… There's two other guys that we offered, so we're not going to be making another offer. And the two other guys were Kyle and Chad. <laughs> and so um, he's like, look, we're not going to make an offer, but since you're… And he asked me, he was like, oh, what about San Jose State? We heard that… You were you committed there. It, right. I wasn't signed. There was because this was early. Right, right, right. So you're committed there. So yeah. And he was like, What about that? And I said, Nope, they they actually retracted their scholarship. And then he coached Ram, got all of them together, and they actually got an email just saying, like, hey, you're still recovering, but we're gonna offer you a walk-on spot. And so I was right. like, you know what? Uh if I if I believe in myself, I want to take that chance and eventually and, earn yourself a scholarship. Yeah, you could earn it. And so they actually brought me in early. So I was the first walk on there uh-huh. because they brought me in to do rehab at the facilities. Well, so, so they I, cared. I guess I thought so. <laughs> the, you, I, I would say you, you, you always think they care when <laughs> when they want you to come, but when you get there, then you're a number at that point. Oh yeah, they they got your name. They got your number. That's. So, you sell your soul to the devil pretty yep, much. Yep. So that's how I ended up kind of here in Fresno. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I really… Well, screw San Jose State. Just add that to the bullet points. But I didn't even know that. Wow. I've known you a long time. Yeah. No, I hate uh, I hate San Jose State. I'm glad they got fired. I'm glad they went one in… Uh, if I would have went to there, I would have been on the losing end the entire time. So I'm more yeah. than glad I'm at Fresno State. I mean, there's nowhere… I would rather be. Well, obviously, you're you're past that now. You came to Fresno. You conquered. You got to be part of some… You know, you lost in high school, but we lost at Fresno <laughs> State. Originally, you were on the 111 team, but you also won some rings. And you built some great relationships throughout that entire journey. Throughout that, you know, we've had a couple of guys on the pod that have been through both the 1 and 11 season and the 12 and 2, 10 and 4 seasons. From that, I know that we all had our own… Um, lens, our own viewpoint, our own experiences that we took from that. What was, you know, what what was something throughout your athletic career that has stuck with you that helped you, you know, callous your mind um, when there was a dark day throughout? Because I know you, you had a couple injuries throughout your time. You, you had to face some adversity. They kept bringing in new guys that wanted to take your spot, especially coming in as a walk-on. I mean, we both know it's it's a it's a harder journey than some. And you definitely beat the odds. But what's something you always reflected back on? Um, I would say some of the main things were, uh, I think when I got there, I, you know, really found a good group of core guys. Right. To, that actually, it felt like home. You know, they, yeah. they immediate, immediately felt like family. So even from our walk-up group, you know, Micah St. Andrew, yeah. George Helmuth. 
I mean, Eric Ortiz was in that room. We were in the baseball locker room. I don't know if anybody else has talked about the baseball locker room before that. I don't, I don't know if George did maybe, but yeah, go ahead. But we, when we started fall camp that 2014 year. It was segregated. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was segregated between yeah. scholarship and non-scholarship guys. Yeah. And they threw us in the baseball locker room, which had no air conditioning. We had a giant ass fan that would just kind of blow. And we were in the visitor baseball locker room, not in the main baseball locker room. Not even the home baseball locker room. Nope, nope. We were in the visitor baseball locker room. And, you know, uh, but really what I reflect back on is kind of just looking at it when we were in that room. The first day we were in that room, I think three guys quit. Like right there? Oh yeah. Like right right after practice was, was done. I remember one guy made a call and he said, nope, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm, I'm not playing football. Wow. Yeah. That fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That fast. And uh, yeah, we were all talking before practice started. Oh, yeah. We're ready to go. And then practice started. It's and, over. And I also, I, I wouldn't say I felt disrespected, but it was surprising to me that I got there and my jersey number was number 90. So I got there. <laughs> As a tight end, you know, people thought I was going to the D line and they're like, well, why do you have a red 90? Because offensive, offensive players red. was red. Yeah. And, you know, I got a 90 and they, they, uh, they said, oh, that's the ugliest tight end number you can get. But you know what? Uh, you got to earn everything when you're a walk on, you know, nothing's yeah. given to you. And, and, but, but being with uh, a couple of those guys uh, right. in that locker room, I mean, that, that was a locker room that you know you had to fight. If you were gonna, if you wanted to be accepted by everybody, you had to fight your way out of it. And yeah. so uh, that group, we we all knew, and we were all there for a purpose. So we all actually kind of fought really hard. You know, Mike is one of the hardest workers I've ever met. He was, he, and I don't want to take his story away, but he, I mean, he was four hundred pounds when he came in. Yeah, it's a big and, boy, and he was waking up every morning to do stair climber for yeah. an hour. No, Mike, to- that was one of the first, I didn't know what a stair climber was until I got to Fresno State and Mike St. Andrews is, has like a trash bag looking thing. I forget what they're on called. him. And he's, and it's like, there's water yeah. coming out of it. So if Mike, he's like, yeah, he's got his own story. Exactly. Anyways. If, if Mike is working that hard and doing that, yeah. you know, I, I didn't have any room to complain because he got the baseball locker room too. And yeah, and he's, and now, he earned his spot. Oh eventually. yeah. I mean, he, Played in the league for a little bit. Like. Yeah, yeah. So that's why if being with that core group of guys is something that I always reflect on. I mean, those are… Those the are my, people. They're my brothers in arms. I mean, so are you. So yeah, it's, it's, we yeah. all… We, we look at, back at that. There's nobody that I know who has my back because we've, we've, we've been through hell. Yeah. It's… I mean, that's one thing I think that's special about football itself is where, you know, a lot of these sports, once you're done, there is a church league basketball league. There is slow pitch softball or baseball. There's flag football, I guess, but there isn't the group of people, group of men that are dedicating their lives to the same common goal. And they're they're just and they're not getting paid for it. It's it's strictly based off passion. And even though these guys are getting paid, like these college guys are getting paid now this year, good for them. But I don't know. After a couple of weeks of watching college football, I don't think there's one guy out there that's selfishly only playing the game to get an endorsement. Guys still are working their ass off to win games and fighting and there's upsets and it's awesome to see. So I, you know, I, I like the answer to that question. Cause like a lot of the times people reflect back on an injury or a family or something like that. And for you who were, you know, an, a hamstring away from being a San Jose state Spartan, 
to thank God. Right now, thank you're, God I was now you had to go from, from the walk on route up throughout Fresno State, and when when you know what Calistra Mama kept you going, the people like sh- shit that says a lot about some of those people and, and your own character, which I know you take pride in. Uh, I do. You know, I'm uh, there's a, there's a lot that I've been through from growing up where I grew up and and kind of the route that was needed to be taken to get to this this way but there's there's I wouldn't change anything about it because when you go through those things you right. actually you, your soul becomes calloused and your mind becomes calloused and and you actually you can you can really test yourself when something happens yeah. how, how far can that push you you know yeah. does it push you over the edge or does it make you a bit stronger well those so, dark days i mean they get tough they do they they get tough but you know the, you, you keep pushing through. And, and there's one thing that I always remember from Coach Bernardi. He always said, you know, it's the only way to get through hell. Just got to keep on going. There you go. There's only one way. I so. mean, that's a that's a very, very real statement there. Um, throughout college, you know, like we talked about, you had your good, your good spirit and all that. But you kind of came out hot. I think you were one of those guys. Did you do pro day? No, I didn't. You didn't do pro day. So I didn't do pro I had my surgery. That's, that's right. Yeah. I remember so you you knew once you were done, you were done. I knew when I had to get my leg drained every week, I right. was done. Yeah, yeah, David was like a, it was kind of gross. He's disgusting, but he's good now. <laughs> Looks nice. Um, at what point throughout college though, were you saying to yourself, okay, football, this is awesome. I love playing for the dogs, but shit, I need to provide for my future family. I need to eat. I need to, I want to, I want, I have these goals that you're obtaining because- David was one of the guys, you can ask anybody in the locker room, there's, a, there's a, a select few that they were being, they were training to be grown-ass adults and responsible college graduates while they were in. You were, you were hustling to make connections and networking and going to that extra mile to be involved in things, as well as internships and job opportunities. Was there something that triggered your mind to do that, or did you just see the opportunity present itself? Uh, no, I would say, you know, if you looked at the Richest 100 people in the world. You, sure. None of them are, well, other than Michael Jordan or, or he's not even in there. Athletes he's, aside. He's, none of them are just athletes. Right. Know? None of them are, none of them got there just because of being an athlete or, yeah. or anything like that. If you look at the top 10 people, I mean, most of the things that I, I really looked at as, you know, coming, I, I, I mean, I come from, you know, not, we're, we're nothing close to being well off and, and, uh, you know, my, Father had a little mental illness when I, we were younger because he's a, he's a veteran. My dad's yeah. old enough to be in Vietnam. Um, so we were in a rough position when, when I was younger. And I always told myself, like, I never want to live like this. Yeah. I never want to live in these conditions. And what, what, what can I do? Because, well, obviously at that time I was young. Right. But what can I do to never be in these positions? So I actually set that goal when I was young that what can I do to never live in the conditions that I was currently living in? Um, so really from there… I've always carried this idea that education was going to be one of my routes that I get out. Okay. Football was one of my vehicles. I always tell people I got out the hood way, which, yeah. you know, you're either doing it rapping or through athletics. And so… And you're not a good rapper. And I'm not a good rapper. I'll, I'll okay. say that. So, but, uh, so I, I, you know, I really saw that from the very beginning too. You know, most of the guys on the team, they, they get their, their uh, classes set… Yeah. By, you know, Terrence Wan at the time was making everybody's class. Yeah, they make your schedule. You show up, they hand you a piece of paper with yeah. your classes and that's I didn't, it. I did not let them do that. No, I did I, not let them touch my classes at all. I, I made my entire schedule because I knew if I was going to be there, 
uh, I was going to take up as much time to get all of my education done. Right. So I could hop into these different things. Because pretty early on, I, 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 I had seen too that, you know, football wasn't going the way I specifically wanted. Were you, were you like, uh, I'm going to the NFL guy out of the gate? Everyone is, I guess. At <sighs> yeah, some I would point. say everybody is. But really, things changed when, when I really hurt my knee. Yeah. So, and then I was, I was in a lot of pain. And then not only that, with the coaches getting fired. So what, yeah. what happened to me was they made me gain weight because I was moving to right tackle. SRAM gets fired and that team gets fired. And I'm now at 285. I was just- You're too, just a fat ass at this point. I'm just super fat. And I don't know what these coaches, these other offensive coaches come in. They come in, they ask me if I could play tight end at 275. I said, I could try. <laughs> I could not move. Yeah, you were thick. Oh, so bad. I mean, there was literally a, a play where everybody kind of makes fun of me where I tried to do like a yo-yo motion. And, <laughs> and I like- <laughs> I know what you're talking about. And I fall over myself and they pause it in the middle of the room. And they're like, what the hell is this? And I was like, look, you asked if I could play at 275. I don't know. But now we all know I can't play tight end <laughs> at 275. At least so, the yo-yos. Uh, no, that was terrible. And then blowing out my knee from there. And right. the medical staff not being there. And I didn't get the proper medical treatment. And There was definitely some adversity throughout the coaching staffs. Um, you know, one of my good buddies, episode three, I believe, Ryan Beecher, he played at Stanford. And he had the same, I believe, the same DC, the same head coach, and the same linebackers coach, and same strength coach his whole career. Which is kind of cool. They get to see you blossom and all this. And they he had, they had some good years and some bad years. I don't know if they're all there now. Don't quote me on that. But I know he for sure didn't go through the drastic coaching staff changes that we did. Because essentially when a coaching staff changes, not just a coach, but when they clean house like that, you got, you're getting re-recruited. And, there's, and they're going to keep some guys. Some guys are going to go up in the depth chart. Some guys are going to go down. Some guys are going to leave the team. So... There's a lot of, and, and you made those cuts. I mean, shit, I was, I, I've talked about it on the pod. Those cuts were kind of a scary day. Like, oh, yeah. We didn't know. It wasn't, you weren't safe for any reason. Like scholarship guys were getting cut and I was still a walk-on at the yeah. point. Well, no, I mean, all walk-on guys, you start at the very, very bottom all over again. They, I give, the, they give the scholarship guys first preference because they, you know, you you start at zero. Everybody starts at zero. Start then, at zero. And then… Some people earn their chips a little faster than others though. Yeah. Well, right. yeah. But I mean, it's, look, the school, it's school and the football team. I mean, if you're paying for somebody, you're not paying them to collect checks. No, you, know? you want to produce. Yeah, you, you, of course. These these are your guys. You got to do it. But it's a business. A walk-on, I get it. Walk-ons basically, we're paying to play. You know, yeah. we pay for our schooling you're, to play. You're just, ha- I mean, you just, you love football. Oh, and, yeah. you, and you're just like, I want to win as a dog. Oh, yeah. There, there's, uh, you know, you're, you're, you, everything comes out of pocket when yes. you're, you're a walk-on. And so. So that sense of maturity you had though to, realize especially your first first few you know first semester as a as a college human being all athletics aside you knew what you were driven to do did you know that you wanted to um you know like i mentioned earlier you're you're in the real estate industry now that's how you're making your money did you know that's what you wanted to do out the gate i knew that there was a i wanted to get in real estate eventually i did not think i was going to get into it as fast as i did right um but that's where I, I just, if you, again, look at all those top people. So I mean, you, you literally, you, you Googled them and you saw what did they all have in common? Oh, yeah. Well, well, real estate, there's so many options that you can have with it. You could either be a wholesaler, a flipper, right. an investor. Yeah. You, know, you could, you, there's so many different things. And then all of the tax benefits. 
And then the amount of income you could bring in, the amount you can depreciate. You pick your hours. There's a lot of good things that go along with it. Freedom. Freedom is really the main thing that I wanted. And with real estate, you get a lot of freedom. Right. Mm -hmm. So you did a couple internships throughout college. Were they all real estate based? Um, No, one was, I was kind of working with, uh, well, actually it's kind of funny. So one was political and then the other one was in real estate. And now I work in politics and real estate. So did football help? steer the ship in that direction? Football literally opened all of these doors. Every single one of these doors. So I was actually the representative for Fresno State football. So Uh Coach Tedford hates doing those public things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they basically said like, hey, we need some guys. Whenever we call you guys up, you guys want to go. And it was me and Kyle. Classic. so (laughs) So they were like, hey, we'll go toss you guys in front. You go smooths and booze and, and, you know, go, go grab these certificates, shake hands, kiss babies. And so Fresno State football kind of opened that. So actually where I work in politics, I work for the Fresno County supervisor for district five, Nathan Magsig. Mm-hmm. I'm his field representative. And I met him because the board, they passed a proclamation claiming Fresno State football and just giving us the, basically just like an award. Yeah. Um, for winning the Mountain West Championship. And so, Sick. Yeah, they, they were given that. And Supervisor Maxick was the chair of the board at that time. And I had told them right there, I was like, hey, I'm interested in politics. And we kind of just stayed in contact for about two years. And two years later, he offered me a job to work as his representative and kind of speak on his behalf. And then when it came to the real estate was actually my first one. Um, the real estate portion was, there was an old tight end who played football under Coach Sweeney that... <laughs> Great message, links. Great links. That message Coach Thompson asking. Coach Thompson you know, was the tight end coach at the time. Yep. Message Coach Thompson asking for anybody that was kind of looking to get into real estate. And I yeah. said, yeah, I got time because I had already graduated. So right. I didn't have any summer classes. Smart. So since I didn't have any summer classes, I just- Took advantage of this opportunity real, time. Yeah, I yeah. just did real estate. And, you know, we got paid and I, it was a paid internship. So I got double Double paid. whammy. So I was- making more money and it just made sense. And I could make my own hours too, because it's real estate Yeah, and I got my license, you know, and that was the main thing was, you know, the license process took like, what, 12 weeks to get six weeks to do all the tests and then six weeks waiting period while they prep the main test. But yeah. um, The, yeah. And that's where I really learned in real estate and, you know, kind of seeing that, that, former tight end as well, where he was at in life and and kind of what he was building and where he's going. He did a lot of flips and, you know, on a team at that time, they had sold 153 deals in one year. Wow. And I got to, I got to see that personally. All go down. Yeah. So, and, and also he did flips and I got, I just got to learn quite a bit, you know, I do wish I got to learn a little bit more yeah. at the time, but uh, it was, it was definitely football opened both of those doors and I took advantage of, you know, football. Shaking hands and kissing babies and football. I mean, the networks, it, it's been mentioned a hundred times on the show already. I mean, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. The way I say it is look, football athletics, they're going to use you for your body. Right. Might as well use them for all of their contacts and all of these doors that they get to open. That's what I want. Yeah. That's the main message I want to get to other athletes is, is all of these events, everything that you may hate, Go you to loathe, them. Go to every single one of them. Meet people. Yeah. Well, they're all donors. And if you think about it, if you're donating to a school, you are literally sitting across from a millionaire. That person has enough money to donate to the school in one way or another. And they want to sit at a table with an athlete. And they they, just want to talk to you. That's it. They don't, I mean, that's all they want to do is talk to you. And I saw it as I'm sitting at a table with 
maybe four millionaires at the table. Well, all money set aside, these guys are successful enough to be at this event. They're exactly. successful enough to pay millionaire or whatever. They're successful enough to buy, to pay uh, $500 for a table at this event where they took time out of their Thursday night or Tuesday or Saturday and they're here to support you. So you're, you pretty much have a green light. Yeah. Well, and I talk about them being millionaires, but I don't, I don't mean it as in it's just right. about their money. I mean, it is that I know that you are successful in this point. Yes. I want to know your knowledge. Yes. What did you do to get there? And is there something that I can learn from something that one of you know yes. that I can possibly take and then, and then work to really take care of my family back home and, and help them into a different position and, and actually break that curse of poverty. You know, it really takes one to break the curse of poverty yep. um, to really, you know, uplift kind of your own family back home. And that's really what I wanted to see was, was wow, these people know something. They know something that- What do they that, know I don't? Exactly. What do they know I don't? Because I, growing up where I grew up, you, you don't see any of that. Know. You, you know, you, <laughs> most of us were, we were on welfare or we had right. you know, government subsidies and you ain't going to learn a lot from that because I already knew all that. So right. what can I learn from these individuals at these tables? You were just consistently motivated. You had this plan blueprinted, I'm sorry, in your head and you stayed consistent. Consistency is key for a lot of this stuff in the world. And, you know, it's, it's good to be fired up for a week and you have all these ideas. I'm going to do this, that, and the other but when push comes to shove, all bullshit set aside, a lot of people don't want to wake up every day early. They don't want to, after football practice, you're kind of tired. You just had treatment. Your friends are going out, going to do something fun. And, oh shit, I got to go to my internship for my real estate opportunity. But I mean, a couple of years down the line, those same, there's, there's some of those guys that went out and had fun and they're not, they're not wheeling and dealing. They're not having as much fun. I'm not calling out names ever, but you, it's paying off. Endgame, it's paying off. Well, I mean, I, I, I do think, and Frank, I, th- I know you know this, that hey, you work hard, you play hard. Hey. And, I, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier on the pod too. You need, there's a time for fun and there's a time for play. I'm sorry. There's a time to work and a time for play. There's also a time for fun. You, you should, they should both be fun. Life should be fun. If you're miserable, do something else. Mm-hmm. But you got to, I mean, when you're working your ass off, you got to be able to go see the boys on the weekend and throw a couple brewskis back. I mean, it's why you have fun. It's so you have the freedom to say, hey, I worked my ass off this week. Or even in the football game. You win a football game, I'm sorry. A, a good coach, a coach who knows what's up, especially in culture ball, says, enjoy the night. Watch the film tomorrow. New week starts on Monday morning. Yeah, have your fun tonight. Have your fun tonight. Stay safe. Look after each other. That's the best type of coach there is at college football, and we and we know him. Yeah, it's uh, you know, you that the beer uh, after a lot of hard work always tastes better. You know, yes. after that after Red Dawn beer. Oh my God, the, tastes a million years better. The after Red Dawn banger of a party it tastes <laughs> it, it's a lot better too. It it, it was you, you get that full release, and it actually means a lot more. And so that's right. that's where when you could uh, really celebrate because you know you did something that most other people probably either couldn't or right. physically physically too it's not like i mean not taking against anything like, oh you did really good on like the act or sat or a uh, math thing or something like that but you just went through hell physically you want to die inside and now it's like i'm gonna decompress for a little bit it's it's good it tastes better yes. the beer the beer tastes better after a hard day's work
And you know, that's, I just see it. Look, I have a, uh, a long time to enjoy what I want to enjoy. If I put in the hard work now. Right. And even, even later, there's always, you, you could always find time to, to, you know, really, I, I knew never to take advantage of the moment that I had. Yeah. Because, hey, all the boys got work. All, yeah. You know, everybody has work and it's all tough. that. That's where it was going to go in the future. And so I had to enjoy my time with the guys too. So I want to bounce back towards your, a little bit towards your career stuff right now. Real estate itself, do you have, did you set goals, monthly goals, weekly goals, yearly goals, things of that nature? Or are you just kind of like, I'm going to, if I get opportunity approaches itself, I'm going to strike as hard as I can? Uh, I would say both. You know, I would say both, both to the point where I, my real estate goal is I knew right out of, Right out of uh, college, I was going to buy a house as fast as I could um, and use that as a rental. And I already did. I already you did plan that early on. Oh, I yeah. remember that. Well, I just remember looking at all the guys who made, uh, who had, you know, we were, we were all scholarship athletes that started paying. We were paying somebody for rent. Yeah. And I said, why? And it's a little cheaper than like the average apartment complex because… Um, you know, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say people are, the, the tenants are better or anything like that. Cause that's sure shit, not the case. But I mean, I rented, we lived at the brick house. Rent was like 600 bucks a month. We lived in a house. We had a parking spot. It was not a bad gig. You had your own version of that. Anyways, like you're saying, you could do it. But that, what, what I was saying was more of, Hey, these guys are paying rent to somebody. Why, why, why not me? Right. Why not pay rent to me? Yeah. You know, and that's what I think. Uh, I So I already bought a house. You know, it's a five-bedroom house. And I rent out… Great each, links. I rent out, out the, each room for 600 bucks. You know, my mortgage is like 1,500 bucks. So if I did some math on that, uh, you're you're profiting on that. I am profiting on that. So so raw numbers is probably around $3,000 um, in… Uh, that's how much the rent is a month. Right. You know, because it's each, each person's on their own individual contract. And it's for these rooms. And… You know, the, their money is pretty secure and they got a good place to live. Um, and, you know, with after you do all the percentages, you know, take home is that going back to the goals of what I really wanted and what I'm looking for and where I plan on continually going in the future is, you know, you start with one and I make $1,000, you know, after all expenses paid and everything a month. If I eventually accrue five houses yeah. and do the same thing at $1,000 a keep month, it rolling, that's, that's, that's $5,000 a month. That's pretty good. That's 60 grand a year. 60 grand a year. Off 60 of that. more than you didn't have. Exactly. And, and I have five assets that are actually, you know, increasing in value and they all build equity. And so I eventually, as I keep paying those down, yeah. I get to become my own self-sufficient, you know, my own piggy bank. Right. So I have, you know, $5,000 coming in. I save that $5,000. I make any general repairs I need to make. And then I keep using that money. It, it's, it's just like playing Monopoly. I mean, Monopoly is- You, got, you, you got this You got this down. Oh, yeah. You, you, you have this planned out. Well, I'm 25 right now. And by the time I'm 30, if I own no, no, less, than, no less than five houses, that's 60K that I'm making. And then- How old are you right now? 25. So if I would have said a little older, but okay. <laughs> I'm turning 26 at the end of this year, but that's not yeah, that's really whatever. not that Anyways, much older. All right, so, so 
but you're, you're on track for a good start, a yeah. good a good next couple. I, of years. I'm actually picking up my second house right now. So congratulations! So picking up my second house, just wanting to rent. I'm going to rent out the rooms to whoever wants to rent them out. Yeah, it'll be available to everybody so, as long as we follow compliance rules. Yeah, um, we're going to advertise that on the podcast. Don't worry, <laughs> David's going to put his ad out. Yeah, so if if I just keep doing that, and you could either do it the slow way, but the slow way then you start to build a lot faster. Or there's even off market deals that I could pick up that I've had a chance to do on a reconstruction um, conventional loan that the, the numbers, they just make sense. But if the yeah. numbers make sense, I'm going to keep building that point to where that's true generational wealth because it's forever. Yeah. You know, that's forever. That's a forever income of 60K a year until I pay all of those mortgages off. Now my income will be double that because I won't have to pay the $1,500 in a mortgage. Right. Then it's just, it's literal profit. Oh yeah. 100%. You mentioned earlier too, before the pod, we have a little rendezvous. Um, you mentioned that if you're a scholarship guy, you technically qualify to be able to buy a home. Yeah. Is, yeah, you would have to put a couple things together, but- You had to put a couple things together, but if you had three roommates, I don't know if you had three roommates, but if you saved, you, you need a little bit of, you need to have the right situation, approach itself. And I remember at our time also at Fresno State, a couple of guys had mentioned this. They, they put the teams in different apartment complexes every year. And I'm not going to name drop them, but- I'll name drop them anyways, like Bulldog Village, for instance, uh, the Palazzos, you know, I know they just have this new one called Topanga. There's uh, the the Victor, used to be The Edge, a bunch of stuff. And they keep bouncing around because they either are raising rents or there's a situation. And look, I'm not saying that college football players are the best ideal tenants, but I remember you mentioning at one point that you'd like to open an apartment complex of some sort or a, an athlete housing almost that would be directed towards athletes itself. Is that something you still see one foreseeable or two a good idea after your experience in real estate? Well, I don't know if the compliance rules are still the same. Screw but it, compliance <laughs> on bullshit aside. Screw compliance. So yes. Not I, screw compliance, but. Really what I want, kind of. especially when it comes to like helping, trying to clean up Fresno a little bit. Right. Is I believe that uh, the housing around Fresno State needs to be more directed student housing. Yeah. Student housing specifically because one, that's going to help the housing crisis in California, which yes. there's a massive need for housing. Um, two, it actually creates a safer environment for the school. You know, it, it sucks to see, but the city really messed up um, with how they've really zoned some things and how certain areas created. It, it, again, Fresno was really hit hard during the financial crisis. Yeah. So it's it's not always the city's fault. Things kind of fall the way they do. But, but part of it is I, you know, if you look next to our fraternities and sororities, you know, it's- it, It's ghetto. It's, well, it's, it's rough out there specifically because that Sin City area, what I don't feel comfortable with is that there's a high number of individuals that are on the uh, Megan's Law and yeah. that are actually sexual predators. And they, they, they go to halfway houses and stuff, which I don't believe should be next to a school. No, yeah. You know, and that some of these areas, it just, if you're next to a school, the school and the housing situation should be set up to where it benefits the general area of the school and the students. You know, if you're going to keep these students safe, that's how you make the city, you know, a lot better. You know, these students are also looking forward in life to where- They're happy. They, well, they want to they help the community as well. And yeah. I, I do believe that if you, the cleaner a community is, that it, it can actually really help build yeah. future things. Because these, these other individuals, you know, 
families feel safe with their student going there. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, we can't even have cars parked on our street along Bulldog Stadium right. with a backpack without the window getting broken. Yeah. I mean, we everybody and anybody from Fresno knows that if you leave a backpack in your back seat, you're probably gonna it's get gone. shattered. It's gone. Oh yeah, you're shattered 100%. No, it's unfortunate. I, I I I agree. I mean, they need to clean that up a little bit. Fresno State is producing for all athletes set aside. They're producing people that are bettering the world. And yes, they have some big dogs right now throughout all the professional sports. They're producing, I mean, Fresno State football team's balling right now. I hope they kick UCLA's ass this weekend per huge. But I just like uh, we did, just like we did 2018, in 2018. Shout out. That was red red wave. Let's 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 come in hot. But I uh I don't know. I mean, like Fresno State's a badass school with some badass things happening to it. And they kind of just they're they've been weaseling around making the college experience uh not as great. Like they just built the new campus point area throughout our time in college. There's the Wahoos, there's a bo- no free shout outs, but there's some good spots out there. Yet there's still these little not as nice areas that are too close to campus. I mean, if you're if you're sending your daughter to Fresno State right now, she did Jordan's a sorority. Well, right behind your sorority or, you know, the, the street behind it, it's it's Hurt Village right there. I mean, it's not a good area at all. We I remember being at one of the fraternities behind there in college and there's there's crackheads looking in your in your like you said, in your truck and stuff like that. It's not a good situation. Yeah. And there it's it really actually, you know, that just kind of falls on, you know, there's also unfortunate times like what happened in two thousand eight and the financial crisis. Yeah. And the housing crisis that no, I, collapsed everything. I but, get stuff happens. But really it needs to the area should really pick up and see that the 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 diamond that Fresno State is to Fresno. I mean, 46,000 oh. students go to Fresno State. Like that's, and most are commuters that if we created an area, we created so much student housing. I mean, we would be an ag town that is also a college town. It should be a college town. Oh, it 100% it should be. It is a college town. If you take Fresno State out of Fresno, it kind of sucks. <laughs> like my family farms here. We got deep, deep roots here, but it's definitely not as fun. I mean, it, I'm not talking shit on Bakersfield here, but like Bakersfield and Fresno are pretty much the same. Very, very, very similar in a lot of aspects. But nobody from Fresno really goes to Bakersfield. A lot of people from Bakersfield end up coming to Fresno because of Fresno State. Yeah. And you see enough guys, people say, oh, I'm not going to live in Fresno forever. I'm just going to go to Fresno State and move home. A lot of people, I mean, you're an example. Mm -hmm. They stay. You live in Fresno right now. They stay. You might leave in 10 years. I don't know. But for right now, you live in Fresno and you're building some relationships. I mean, I don't know what kind of roots you got here or anything like that, but you might have some some deep dug roots in Fresno. So you got to take advantage of them. And like you said, you don't want to, you don't shit where you eat. You want to make sure that you're taking care of your community. And, you know, one of these, one of the bullet points of the athletes that I have on the show, obviously, you know, what are they doing well in life to be badass? That's the only reason you're on the show. You're not just, you just because you played somewhere doesn't mean you should be on the show. I want someone who are people who are chasing greatness, who want to be excellent, who want to something that's that's changing the game. But being a role model, being giving back to your community, giving a shit about your community in general. Like a lot of guys don't. You don't you didn't have to come back here or stay here and do this. You could have tried to do it in another city or something like that. Maybe there it might be cheaper in a city a couple hours away or something like that. Who knows? And and doing that kind of leads me back to you mentioned your bit you've been involved in the politic game a little bit. Yeah. I do play that. What's what's your end game in that? 
because you got involved into it, it kind of it kind of got your piss hot a little bit. You're a little excited over it. I know some of us give you shit, but like, what do you want to do? You shouldn't be mayor of Fresno. Uh, you know, mayor could could senator be, could be one thing. Uh, really, what I I do eventually want to get into politics, and the main reason why is you know I I've, I've grown up through a lot of uh, a lot of things that a lot of stages. A lot of difference, and I, I've seen what it means to be extremely poor, and right. and I've also seen what you know it, it it how it changes, and how how individuals in that community can actually stay stuck, and what's the best way that we can help those individuals really break that. And really, I believe it's it's uh, shaping uh, the mindset that they're. There, there are too many drones out there. And what I mean by drones are like just people walk around and they don't, they don't necessarily do something to change their life yeah. because they're not actually shown the opportunities. You know, the things that I think are cool and that a lot of people, when I engage with, whenever I go back home, I talk to them about um, how easy it is in real estate or what's the best thing to do uh, to do different stages or, you know, other people are looking at Airbnb arbitrage and all that. Those aren't things that you learn in school. You learn nothing in school. Yeah, you... <laughs> Not literally, but you, you, you got to figure a lot of, of adult shit out as an adult. Yeah, and, and especially coming from that community that school's not important. So if school's not important, you can't teach somebody who doesn't think, who doesn't care about it. No, not at all. Yeah, and the way to get through those things are actually you have to do additional programs or you got to do, you got to do, you got to have certain individuals within the community. So that's one of the things that I believe in is that to really help uh, people got to get more involved, which is why I want to get involved. Right. And you're taking a stand. Well, I believe that I can't, if, if I keep telling somebody to do something, to do something, to do something, and nothing gets happening, you know, nothing happens, yeah. then, it, then it actually falls on my responsibility that I believe I should do something about it. Um, and that's where I think, you know, w- one day I would say probably my goal, I, I truly want to be a U.S. representative. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the House of Representatives. That is one of my goals. Um, the up. governor of California was actually something that I've thought about since I was very young. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to aim low because… You got to um, aim high. You got to aim even higher. So, uh, And even just working as a political consultant, I really enjoy that as well. Yeah. Um, where I do a lot of analysis and, and different government things. I'm the vice chair for Valley YR. So that's the Young Republicans group. And, and yeah, you're involved. Uh, Seth Ramirez is the president of that. And we've, we've built a grassroots group that shows, I mean, we, we didn't want to just be a bunch of, uh, you know, people who say that, that, that they're involved and they just do a lot of talk, but- You but, wanted action. Oh yeah, we want action, you know? And, about and that action. We're, we're about that. We're actually, we're having, we're, and we're going to have fun doing it. And we want to kind of help change the Republican Party a little bit okay. to, to where it's a little bit more inclusive, uh, in some areas, you know, a lot of people, they try to attack the Republican Party as a party of the whites. Yeah. And uh, Seth Ramirez is a big old Mexican and I'm, <laughs> I'm a Tongan. So, so we're, we're, we're bringing, bringing uh, some passion and some different ideals that most people won't see unless you come from different and diverse backgrounds. And right. so, you know, we want to highlight that, but we also want to highlight, you know, we're all Americans. We're well, all- and I appreciate you saying that we're all Americans right there because, like I said, this is not a political show at all, but we're at a point in our country where there's a lot of stuff happening. And, um, you know, 9-11 was this past weekend. Exactly why, yeah. I, if you have never seen of, you know, I know I was, I was four or five years old when 9-11 happened. It didn't hit me as hard as it hit my parents or my grandparents or certain people in my life that they, every single person on 9-11 
knew exactly where they were when 9-11 happened. The day, the day that that all went down, they know what they were. They watched the TV. They had all these crazy things happen. Um, actually, my, my great aunt Virginia, she told me we got out of church on Sunday and she retired from her job on September 10th and September 11th of like of 2001 is when was her first day off. So she didn't know what to do. And she was just glued to the TV for two, you know, two hours. And it's, it's, she was, she was very emotional about it. But after all the things we've happened the last few years, I don't know what the right answers are, but what I do know is we are all Americans. And to have a guy like you come on who said, you know, there's both sides of the political parties might be, um, you know, viewed as a certain race or a certain viewpoint or stereotyped in certain different directions. Like I said, you're dealing with, you got a Tongan and a Mexican walk into a room. They got a, a Republican badge on. That's not the most, uh, you, you wouldn't expect that always. Yeah, no, you it's don't. definitely a little bit different than the huge. It's refreshing to hear that and not saying like one way or the other, but it's just refreshing for you to hear we're all Americans. We are all under one country under God, and we're just trying to be the best country we are in the world. And even though we're in a little bit of a low right now, I think we could we 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 unite in certain ways, and and we need to unite even more and more and more and more. And what, one of the main things that I learned that is like my my mom my mom she immigrated here from Tonga in nineteen ninety one, I believe, so ninety one or ninety two. Really? So my mom, yeah, she's 26 years or 22 years. She lived in Tonga and then she lived in England for a couple of years. And, and then she moved out here. And when I was growing up, the reason why I love and respect the U.S. so much right. is because my mom would always tell me that uh, every single time I either got a pair of shoes or something or a toy or even clothes on my back, she's like, the kids in Tonga would... Would. They didn't have this yet. Oh no way! Nothing. Oh no, they they were like these these kids wouldn't even wear these shoes, and only on Sunday they'd wear them because these shoes are so nice. Yeah. Or look at the clothes that you have. I I wish I would have that. We'd be playing with, you know, we have toys and we get toys for Christmas. My mom right. would say, you know, can you what? And she would make us do this all the time too, and which is why I'm so appreciative. Is my mom would make us out of our Christmas gifts donate a toy to, and she'd send it to Tonga because she's like these kids are going, they they don't have anything even remotely close, right? And so she would always tell us like, "Wow, you're the greatest privilege that you have is the privilege of being born in the U.S." And that I I love I, I mean I I love that. Well, I mean it's true. It's it's it so, is true, it, and and you only know that when you come from a country that. Has nothing. I mean, I think about Muti, and I mean, he would send it when he went Natani back. Natani Muti, he'll be on the podcast later. Current <laughs> Denver Bronco. You know, Anyways, he, he went back home and he sent me pictures of of you know the I remember the islands, and you you look at that, and that's 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 not poor. No, and that it's only poor to the U.S. standards. Yeah, it's not poor to Tongan standards. I mean, that's, that's normal. normal. That's, yeah, that that is what we grew up in, and. Um, it's it's funny that you you have a different appreciation value when right. you know what it truly means to be without. Also, when you're without, life is easy. Like yeah. you don't, you don't have to. It's, there's kind of two sides of the spectrum on the whole. Oh thing. yeah, 
Well, because you think about it, like a lot of people talk about poly's moved slow and, uh, you know, we have a different way in life and there's poly time. Well, that's true, but that's because there's no hurry to go to anywhere because you're from an island. Right. Yeah, you're, you know, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> you going kayaking? Like, you don't need to go there quick, so. I, I, I love to hear that. I love that you have your image. I mean, you got a lot figured out for an almost 26-year-old. I mean, wait, okay, I want to backtrack one thing. If you are going to go to be a politician, are you... You just got your hair back. I'm just going to dabble with this. You know, David was one of the few that would do a crazy mustache. He actually shaved half of his face for a fall camp. It's a thing. But you recently shaved your head last year, I believe. Look, me and my brothers, we shave our head. My brothers just both shave their heads. Sometimes you need a change. Was that a change for you? Your hair looks good. We're going to make sure we get that on uh, some sort of a social media or something like that. But are you going to go back to bald if you ever go for office? All right, Frank. We're going to first off settle this from camp because you called me. (laughs) Whoa. You called me that night when we were doing fall camp. And this is our first fall camp with Coach Tedford. I knew it was a bad idea. And you told me. I just barely didn't get cut. So I was not trying to test the waters. Yeah. Well, why don't you just recall me and you tell me, (laughs) hey, maybe we shouldn't do this because you called me and look, I was, I was thinking about it because this is what we did with DeBruder. You know, we're going to have fun. Keep keep fall camp a little lighthearted. You called me that night and said, I'm doing Joe Dirt. What are you doing? And I said, you know what, Frank? I don't know. I might, I might just shave half of my face. And you said, do it. I, do, okay, the context of that is, you crazy bastard, do it. Not, yes, I'm also going to do it, comma, great idea. That was not, that was not the, the uh, terminology or the, I would not have expected that. You told me. Like, if you were to say, oh, I'm going to go skydiving today. I'm not the type of guy to jump out of an airplane. I'm not going to say, do it. Like, you will. I don't have to, though. You told me. I'm doing Joe Dirt. I'm doing Joe Dirt. What are you doing? Then we made a joke about, hey, I, you know, I might just shave half of my face. It happens. And you said, do it, which I thought meant more of. You said, Kyle, what was Kyle Hendrickson doing? He was I doing, he was, or something. He, yes. Yeah. Oh, he was doing the Pat Hill. You said, you, he was doing Pat Hill. I think or I did something it was, like that. And you were going to do Joe Dirt. And so I said, what? How do I step up? How do, because I like, you know, you hold yourself to a standard. There's a, you got to hold the rope. I get it. And so I shaved half of my face. Okay. 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 But don't dodge the original question here. Are you going back bald if you go into politics? Again. Uh, it's a yes or no. Well, look, there's, there's something <laughs> I say. If you look at old pictures of Elon Musk when he was uh, in his 20s, he was balding. He was balding. And then he became so successful, his hair came back out of pure respect. Okay. So I'm going to try to get to that point. I've also seen the movie, the interview where Kim Jong-un in the interview, the movie at least doesn't go to the bathroom because he's, he's so stressed out. Do you think you'll ever get to that point? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'll ever get to that point. (laughs) All right. Wrapping it back up. I always ask everyone this question. You mentioned earlier that your dad told you to call about the San Jose state tearing of the hamstring, that whole, that whole ordeal. Not that I, I mean, I'm sure I know you love your father and that you, you trust him in a lot of aspects, but is there any mentors outside your life, 
outside your initial family, I guess you would call it, that you look at, you follow, whether it be on a podcast, reading a book, hell, watched a movie, I don't care. Is there somebody you follow or a book you've read or something that you reference back to or take take a little bit of a uh, little bit of knowledge to? Uh, there was one book that I truly remember that um, you know has taught me quite right. a bit, and it's the One Thing by uh, Gary Keller. The One Thing by Gary Keller. Got it. The the main reason why I like that book so much is because it talks about you know. 80% of the regular human's production comes from just four hours of work. And it's four hours of usually of, you know, focus time right. that you get the most done. If you think about Elon Musk, what, what is the one thing that he's truly great at? You know, and that was getting Tesla off the ground. He wanted right. to do that. Really, his one thing is more of like innovation. He's all about innovation and he's Absolutely. nonstop focus on innovation. Uh, what's the one thing that um, uh, Jeff Bezos you know, is known for. And it's specifically Amazon. Yeah. You know, his one thing and the thing that he cradled was Amazon. Now he's gotten to a point where he's so successful, he's moving on to Blue, Blue Origin. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But Gary Keller, what's his one thing was real estate. And and that's where it's about being focused within that time. It, it had a pretty profound impact that what is the one thing? I, I read that book while I was playing football and that's kind of when I knew you know, my one thing wasn't going to be football. Right. And it was going to be something else. So well, that's, that's good too. The process of elimination almost. Yeah. I, I knew that. And I, and I gave it my all. I gave it as much as I could physically because my body was falling apart. Yeah, I mean. But um, that is the, the the main thing, you know, that I've seen that there, there's, there's a lot of opportunities out there. And how can I find my one thing? And what's my one thing that's really going to, to really… You know, what do I need to buy into? Right. And actually, I take that approach. I do four hours of real estate and I do four hours of politics, which, you know, truly of just focused where I shut everything out and I truly just focus and jump into that, you know? The one thing that I know Riverside Dairy does really well is produce the best cows to produce the best milk to produce the best cheeses. Riverside Dairy uh, episode, I don't know, Haley Dulcini was on. Her family is Riverside Dairy, huge supporters of the Bring the Juice pod. They fire me up. Shout out to Riverside Dairy, producing the best cheeses with the best cows. And they've just been killing the game. Look for them at all grocery stores near you. I actually had a quesadilla today that had some of Riverside's Dairy's cheese in it. And I, I, I mean, you know, I, the best quesadilla I've had since the quesadilla I had today was probably in Mexico. So I don't know what that says. But things are looking good. Riverside Dairy, make sure to give them some love. Should have made me one. I, I'm, I, it was, I don't know. My mom actually made it. My mom's really good at producing. No wonder it came out better. cheeses and quesadillas. David, I've, I've loved your time on the pod. You're, you got me fired up right now. I'm ready to run through a brick wall. I, uh, I mean, for seriously though, like anybody who's involved in like real estate or just not even real estate, athletics put aside because football is obviously something that you you always, we always reflect back on. There's things, there's catchphrases. There's relationships from football. That's what I'm saying. And not saying if we weren't in some, you know, GE class together, we wouldn't be friends, but you're forced to be friends with certain people and you've got to make the best of certain situations. Iron sharpens iron. And throughout this journey, I want to see my brothers eat. You're doing well. You're you're changing your your family's life. And I, I do believe that by the time you're 30, you'll have all these real estate ventures. I think you'll be mayor of Fresno someday. You're going to have to come back on the pod when that all happens. But um, all in all, this has been an awesome episode. 
anything else you'd like to say? I mean, you got me fired up. I mean, I just, I appreciate you. You know, I see how hard you're working and, you know, you get right off of work uh, and you come straight here and, you know, you kind of- Straight to my parents' basement. You, you kill it, but hey, you take the opportunities that you got. Gangsters move in silence and I, I don't talk a lot. Great episode. Guys, a great week. David, once again, thanks for coming on the pod. We'll make sure you give all your listings some love from the Bring the Juice family. Hope we could do this again sometime. Again, these Coors Lights have been absolutely crispy and delicious on a wonderful day in Fresno, California. This concludes this episode of the Bring the Juice podcast. Let's have a great week, everyone. Fire me up. Fire it on all cylinders this week. Don't forget one thing. Let's bring the juice, baby.